0: thanks for listening to The Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. Um, did I ever tell you about the time when I met a pro wrestler in the Kmart, like right when you walk into Kmart on Pass Road in Gulfport? I don't know if any of y'all are from the coast, but there used to be a Kmart on Pass Road in Gulfport. It was the worst Kmart, not the nice one that they used to have by the Taco Bell there, Lorraine Cowan, but the worst one that was like deep into Pass Road near Oberly's Unclaimed Furniture. Like that, like that's how far back I go. It was terrible, it was a terrible place. I remember I walked in and we were going in, like my dad and I, we were going in for like maybe weed eater line or something. I don't know, something random. And all of a sudden there was this dude there (laughs) With a, with a red bandana on and looked out of shape, kind of like myself, looked out of shape and, uh, and, he, and he, was, he had a pen in his hand, he was signing things. I, I don't know if he was really a wrestler or not, I have no clue. But he's like, hey kid, you want my autograph? And I was little and I'm like, sure. And then we went about our business. That's not really memorable. I've probably never told you that story. I know I've never told Mary that because it's just a insignificant dumb story. But did I ever tell you about when I went to Israel? Did I ever tell you about that? Some of you know that. Some of you know, some of you know like, I've, I've shared it in coffee shops with the baristas. I've shared it even this last week with some of my older friends that I get to see. I've, I've got, I remember being on the Sea of Galilee and stepping over stones, making sure that I didn't get wet because I don't like getting wet, but making sure I'd step over stones and being in the very same sea that Jesus did some amazing miracles in. Or when we walked the, they call it the Via Della Rosa, but when we walked the the way of the cross. Or or maybe I told you last week, I think I told you about being in the olive grove there on the Mount of Olives where Jesus was looking across the ravine and seeing Jerusalem and seeing the temple and seeing the people that he would die for. I have told you some of those stories, especially if you've journeyed with me long enough. I've Shared those over and over and over again on social media. I love, I love my time there in Israel. Or, you know, we sang about David and how David, we were, we, that we are calling on the same God that David did when David needed some courage to face that giant. And like I, I stood there, I was literally in. There was no water in there thankfully I don't like getting wet obviously we already covered that right so there was a the ravine the brook where David grabbed his five smooth stones and I grabbed a stone and I brought it home I'm like oh please TSA don't grab this from me don't grab this from me and they didn't I hid it very very well in my bag what's the difference between those two stories one of those stories is of little significance. There's nothing earth shattering. There's nothing that will change your life about it. In fact, all the Kmart's, I think, I think they've all closed down maybe, at least all the ones on the coast. Who cares? But then the other one, the other story, like it's changed my life and it's, it's encouraged others. It's, it's one that I can't keep quiet about. And I like to share it over and over and over again. When you meet a person or you experience an event that changes your life, you can't stop talking about it, can you? You just don't want to shut up about it. You want to keep sharing it with other people. Like, hey, I went to this place and this thing happened, this event, or, or I met this person and, and this person, how they spoke into my life or they challenged me, like it changed my life, it changed my direction. I quit doing this thing and started doing this thing. And you'll tell anyone and everyone that you can about that. There's an author and a theologian, his name is Kevin D. Young. So if you're writing notes, it's D-E, capital Y-O-U-N-G. And he says, quote, the mission of the church, that's what we're studying in Acts in eight weeks, by the way. He says the mission of the church is the task given by god for the people of god to accomplish in the world that's the mission of the church it's a task given by god it sounds like a really circular response well what's the task we've looked at it before if you've been around church you kind of know it it's recorded in all four gospels in some form or fashion <coughs> and even in the book of acts chapter one and we covered this last week Our mission as the church of God, our mission as believers all across the world and all across time, our mission is to make disciples of all nations. That's our mission. Or in Acts, it's covered in this way, Jesus says that we are to be his witnesses. Like we tell other people what we've seen, what we've experienced, what we've heard. That's our role everywhere to anyone. So if there's one idea (coughs) that I want you to zero in on, today it's this, speak to anyone in the name of Jesus. I wish I could say I was really clever and crafty coming up with that one, (coughs) but it's literally in scripture today. Speak to anyone in the name of Jesus. My question as we kind of get going is this, who's your anyone? Who is the anyone in your life? Who is the anyone in your circle? Who is the anyone that you regularly (coughs) come into contact with? Who is your anyone? Well, let's see how that practically works out for Peter. Book of Acts chapter 4 is where we'll be. Luke starts by writing out this, he says while they were speaking to the people, and Blake read this section earlier, so I'm not going to go through the section at this moment. <coughs> while they were speaking, who were they? Peter and John. Who were they speaking to? Well, people. Duh. What people? We look at Acts chapter 3 to get the context. Now, on social media, and we'll tell you a little bit more later, we're covering all of Acts in eight weeks, so pay attention to that. But Who were these people that he was speaking to? Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. They were in the temple complex area. It says, (coughs) Peter finds a guy that's been lame from birth. And Peter, this guy says, hey, heal me, Peter, looked at John, looked straight at the guy. And he says, guy, look at us. So the man turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said... I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then, taking the man by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. A man that was lame from birth. So he jumped up. A guy that never knew what it was like to jump up. He jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking leaping and praising god those are the people that he's talking to right now that's the crowd that peter's talking to in chapter 4 when it says while he was speaking to them and then we skip down a few verses when peter saw this he he addressed the people phil israelites why are you amazed at this he's these people are like wow These are shocked, astonished. They want to know what happened. They're interested. He was speaking to a crowd after a life-changing event. And so instead of just talking about the immediate circumstance, hey guys, I know that you saw this. Let's talk about this, let's break it down. So the man, like we walked in, the man was looking at us and we caught him out of the corner of our eyes. So we decided, hey, you have something that you need us to do for you. And so he, he rotated his elbow to 45 degree. Like he doesn't go into the event. Peter doesn't start talking about all that just happened. Instead, he makes a beeline to Jesus. And that's what we ought to do. Whenever we experience something in our lives that God has done, hey, praise God that he's done it. And then we make a beeline to tell other people about Jesus in that. Every time. I mean, look at verses 12 through 15. I'll read it again. He saw this His fellow Israelites. Why are you amazed? Why do you stare at us? As though we made him walk by our own power. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our ancestors, the stuff that we were just saying about in the song, same God. This God has glorified his servant, Jesus. Like he makes a beeline to Jesus which is interesting because they're in a temple a jewish temple which is usually uh, surprisingly that's kind of how like the early church started telling everybody about jesus they'd go to the temple synagogues oh you're peter we know who you are oh you're john you're one of the sons of thunder we know who you are you're a good jew and then he's like oh but let me tell you about jesus they would do it every time that was how they got in and again they just did something miraculous or by the power of the holy spirit and they say hey let us tell you about jesus And then it gets ugly, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release, Pilate was going to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and you asked to have a murderer released to you. At that point, I imagine the the nice, well-meaning Jewish people in the temple there at that that point were probably like, you need to choose your next words carefully, Peter, because this is going to be bad for you. And guess what Peter says? You killed the source of life. Like he doesn't, he doesn't hold back. He's like, I'm going to tell you about Jesus and what he's done. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to make it PC for you. I'm not going to make it to where it doesn't hurt your feelings. I'm going to tell you about Jesus and who he is and what you've done in this whole process and what he's done for you. I love the guts, the boldness that Peter has here. He says, you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses. There's that word, witnesses of this by faith in his name. His name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. He makes a beeline to Jesus and he goes over and over and over again about Jesus. He's, I mean, I, I could not ever in my, if you, Gave me a million dollars, could not ever come up with a sermon so succinct and and concise and to the point about Jesus that he did. Right there. And with the guts that he had. I I don't know if I would have had the guts, but he did. And I love it. By faith in his name. When something life-changing happens, how much of our conversation is about the event and how much of our conversation is about the Jesus who made that happen? I want you to think about the last time Jesus showed up in your life, which I hope you understand he shows up every day in your life. What did your conversation look like the last time you talked about that with someone else? The last time he brought some healing in your marriage, what did the conversation look like to your friends? Man, you know, like uh, we we went to couples counseling and then uh, there was a couple exercises that we went through and the counselor told us. It's kind of weird. He dressed like a clown. And then like he said, Hey, boys and girls, I want you to try this. And they like, we did. And it was, and like, sometimes we, try, we talk about all these other things and we miss out on getting to tell people about what Jesus has done. Hey, we went to couples counseling and Jesus fixed it. And here's what he did. And here's how good Jesus is. And here's how much hope he gives. And here's how much faith he has, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what scripture says, love. Like, Man, I was eating away my sorrows, that tub of ice cream turned into two tubs, and then I went into a diabetic coma, and the doctors, they didn't think they could revive No, no, no. I ate my feelings, and all of a sudden, like, Jesus delivered me from that. And Jesus says, hey, I love you anyway, let me pull you up. What does your conversation look like when you tell people about the events in your life? For Peter, when this life-changing thing happened, he started to tell everyone about Jesus. I want to say clearly, don't miss the opportunities in your life to share about Jesus, to speak about Jesus. So those are the people, anyone, anywhere. I imagine like the people that were coming to the temple, they were on their way to the temple. And then all of a sudden they see this miraculous event happen. I imagine some of them were probably bakers because let me tell you about Israel, they have amazing pastries. And they're not French, but they're amazing pastries. And I put on a few pounds. I had I'd like gotten off of a low carb diet. and I went to Israel and I'm like, this is good stuff. They cook well. They bake well. I imagine some of those folks were probably bankers. Maybe some of the people were friends. Maybe some of them were relatives. Maybe some of them were a little different and they watched pro wrestling. I don't know. I imagine some of the people that were attending the temple complex were coworkers. Some of them were, Fishermen, but I imagine that these were, I mean, definitely they had weirdos there, right? They had, they had some lame people there that they, they, they couldn't, things didn't work in their bodies like they should have. I mean, like we know at least one that went there looking for help. And we actually know like biblically speaking from history that there was a lot of people that would usually gather at these different um, gates. There's one called the gate called Beautiful. That they would hang out by or they'd hang out by the pools like there like there were some pools like in the temple complex area or on the way we understand that a lot of people would hang out there because they're like hey there's a god of the universe there and maybe he'll help us we're unclean but maybe he'll help us anyway and so i know that there's a lot of folks there that were the anyone's of life let me ask you this again who's your anyone who's the anyone in your life that you hang out with talk to see Conversate with, um, regularly, you know, experience life with. First Corinthians 7:17, 7, Paul writes, quote, let each one live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when God called him. Let us live in our situations. Or another way of putting it is this: like, I, I need you to Like where you are right now i need you to know that where you are right now in life is where god wants you to be like literally right now in this gathering but also like where you are in the middle of a storm (coughs) god may not have caused that storm but you can be a light to other people in that storm and you can make a beeline to jesus every time or maybe you're like you're about to get to the mountaintop of whatever situation is going on in your life and And you can make a beeline to about how great Jesus is and what he's done for you and what he's done really for this world through his life, death, and resurrection. That's what matters most. Don't chase so hard after your five-year plan that you miss out on what's right in front of you. So that was verse one or half of verse one. while they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them. You ever wonder who the Sadducees were? There's a stupid, lame joke that says that they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, so they were sad, you see. Stupid, stupid joke. I, I've never forgotten in like 20 years, and I forget a lot of things. Who are they? They were the wealthy sect of Judaism. They were the ones that were in control of their, 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 their supreme court kind of thing. They were the guys in power, but they were a small subset, a small sect, a small group of people. No one liked them. Everybody hated them. They probably ate worms. Long, thin, slimy ones. Sorry. Anyway, so they were put in power by the government, the Roman government, which mostly Roman governments would go into these new towns or these new areas. And they would say, nope, we're getting rid of whatever religious institution you had and you, you worship Caesar. Which is why Jesus said, hey, you give to Caesar what is Caesar's and you give to God what is God's. But anyway, they usually would do that, except Herod's thought, hmm, this is interesting. I'm going to, we're going to keep some of this Judaism, but I'm going to put my own people in charge of it. Uh, you, this small group of people, we're going to put you in charge of Sadducees. No one likes you. That means that you'll listen to me and you'll promote me and you'll prop up Rome and that it's going to work great for everyone except it worked great for no one. And so the Sadducees were here in this part of the story. What did they believe? I want to tell you that the Sadducees did not believe that God worked in humanity. They kind of believed that there's a God in the universe, kind of, but they didn't believe that God was actively involved with anyone. God wasn't actively involved with them individually or them as a people, them as Israel. They didn't believe that God was actively involved at all they did not believe that the god was involved in the world in, in essence they practiced atheism can you imagine that can you imagine that a religious group a religious group not believing that god is actively involved in their lives i can't i can't, I can't believe that that happens today though they also didn't believe in the immortal soul They're the kind of people like, uh, I've heard it said this way, life sucks. And then you, what you've heard it before too, life sucks. And then you die. That's what they believed. They're like, then you die and there's nothing that happens. The Sadducees, the people that were in charge of the religious Supreme court of Israel, God's Jewish people God's special chosen set apart people, this is who Herod put up in charge didn't believe that anything happened when you died. You become worm food. Obviously, they weren't very, very popular. They also did not believe, if they didn't believe in the immortal soul, they didn't believe that you could rise from the dead. They didn't believe in any any resurrection. One time there was a guy, a rabbi named Gamaliel. And so if you've been around church world a little bit, there was a guy named Gamaliel that taught Paul. They instructed Paul and kind of raised up Paul. It's the same Gamaliel. He's a, he was a huge rabbi back in the day. And he met with the Sadducees and he says, Hey, listen, I need to let you know. It's, let, me, let me read this to make sure I got it right. He talked with them one time and he told them, he taught them from the law, the prophets and the writings. So the entire Old Testament, he taught the Sadducees that the Messiah would bring resurrection. And you know what they said? Now we're good. We're good. We don't believe you. These were the Sadducees. So if you ever see a part in scripture where it talks about the Sadducees, we normally see Pharisees, but if you ever see something where it says the Sadducees were involved, these are the people, some of the historians called called this group of people traitors to their own religion, hypocrites and atheists in function. These are the ones that confront Peter and John, because of chapter 3, verse 11. Look at chapter 3, verse 11. I skipped over it earlier. While this lame man was holding on to Peter and John, what happens? All the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. Solomon's colonnade was this really long, it's the longest feature in the temple, longest sustained feature in the temple and they were running in church. They were running in church. And so the captain of the temple guard, think of like a 70-year-old deacon from a Baptist church. Just kidding. But the captain of the temple guard said, no running in church. There's no running in church. And so like, that's what happened here. The captain of the temple guard comes in, and he's like, this is bad stuff. And then he gets the Sadducees, which don't even believe in God, to come in. We've got to get these people in trouble. And so that's what we're looking at here. If you look at verse uh, chapter 4, verse 2, it says they confronted Peter and John because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead, which they didn't believe in. Can I tell you this? People will often get upset at you because you, you don't believe what they believe. Mary and I, we were with some friends last night and we, we were talking about this and how they were upholding, our friends were upholding a a spiritual view. They put it out on Facebook and the whole world went crazy and started commenting and saying you're phobic in different ways. But just because you don't agree with someone does not mean you're phobic. And I, I hate the way the world sees that. You can disagree with people and you're not hurting their, like you hurt their feelings, but it's It's not what they think it is. And so they're just annoyed because you're teaching something that they don't believe in. You're believing something that they don't believe in and that's okay. I mean, unless they're wrong and and the Bible tells them they're wrong and then that's a problem, but that's another story for another day. The idea is, James, what can I do? What should I do? to live a, as a follower of Christ. If you share the gospel of Jesus, his life, death and resurrection, that he died for our sins, he took our punishment, right? If you share the gospel of Jesus and then you live the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. People are going to get annoyed at you. They're going to disagree with they're going to disagree with how you love other people. They're going to disagree with how you love God. They probably don't understand why you're here on Mother's Day on a secular holiday created by Hallmark. They probably have no clue. I'm just kidding. It wasn't created by Hallmark, probably. That was Valentine's Day. I don't know what day it was. Anyway, they're probably upset that you're here and you're not cooking dinner, women. You don't murder them later because murder is a sin. But they're probably upset that you're not doing whatever it is that they want you to do right now. They're going to disagree with you. They're going to disagree when you, do a, when, you, when you read Scripture and you tell them, like, no, I'm not going to do this because that wouldn't honor Jesus. Oh, it was Jesus. Well, let me tell you about them. They'll get annoyed when you say, I believe this certain way because Scripture tells me that all life is precious from birth to death. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm just like, no, I I just trust scripture. But if you teach the gospel of Jesus and you obey those two commandments, people are going to get annoyed at you, but you're being a part of the mission of the church, which is to make disciples and be witnesses for Jesus. That's it. That's it. So chapter four, verse three, we have 20 verses to go. So, like, we've got a little bit, we've got to pick a move on. I need you all to hurry it up just a little bit. All right, here we go. Verse 3, so they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. I'm going to tell you about that word next day as quickly as I can. That word there, next, is used 177 times in the Bible. The New Testament uses it, uh, well, the book of Ezekiel uses the most, like, tw- uh, I think it was like 28 times. The book of Acts uses it the second most in the entire Bible in most of the bible it's used first then then this that's the idea of next or first this item then this next item but in the book of acts almost every time it's used it's used 18 times it's used in the way of well, it's used 22 times but 18 of those times it's used in the sense of next day so most of the book of acts is like one long story first this happened and then the next day this happened and then the next day this happened what am am I trying to tell you here? Your life, your life is a constant journey, and so you should always be ready to share Jesus every part of your life, even on Mother's Day. Yes, even today. What about tomorrow? Even tomorrow? What about my day off of work? Even your day off of work, everywhere you go, is a moment that you can share Jesus with people. Because their future depends on you sharing Jesus with them and their present. Their present depends on you sharing Jesus with them. So we should always be ready. So, what happens next? They were seized. They were done talking. There was no altar call. There was no, like, guys, we just talked about Jesus. Who wants to raise their hand and pray a sinner's prayer right now? There was none of that. They were seized and they were brought to to prison until the next day. But guess what happens? Look at verse 4. But many of those who heard the message believed. So there was a message spoken. Then they were seized and taken away. And then people believed the message that they heard. You know what I love about that? I love that that happened after they left. A lot of times we are looking for results right in the moment, but you know what we need to do? We need to be faithful to share Jesus with anyone, anytime. And we'll just let the next moments go to the Holy Spirit and let him do what he does best. It's not our job. Our job is to be witnesses, to make disciples. That's our job. And to love God and love people, but that happens when you're making, making disciples and making witnesses. So, verses uh, 5 through 7, the next day, there's that word again, the next day, the rulers, elders, scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them, quote, by what power or in what name have you done this? By what authority? I mean, you were in the temple complex and you made a disturbance like you 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 made people run in there they were astonished there was a commotion what is going on here we want to know by what authority you, you you were doing whatever it is that you did i want to skip to verse 29 it wasn't in our reading today and it's on purpose peter's praying he says and now lord consider these people's threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness that word for bold is used 28 times in the new testament 12 of those times are in the book of acts the most of any of the books in the new testament as far as frequency goes boldness was a characteristic of the witnesses of jesus james i, I i'm just ordinary i can't i can't i can't be bold i'm just normal james i can't be bold for jesus I'm uneducated. How many times have you thought I'm uneducated? I don't know the Bible well. I can't be bold for Jesus. I've heard that a lot. I've been been there. So what happens next? Verse 8. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, isn't that cool? Like the very last song that we sang, like those were some of the last words we were like, hey, Holy Spirit, we want to see what you do. Rulers of the people, uh, the people, people and elders, He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Where do we get the Holy Spirit? When do we get the Holy Spirit? Chapter 2, verse 38, says it this way. Peter replied, repent and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive. So you repent and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us as soon as we say yes to Jesus. As soon as we repent, as soon as we trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raises Jesus from the dead, this spirit now lives inside of you. And so in chapter 4, verse 8, the P, that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. I love it. And he said to them, rulers of, uh, and people of Israel, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, so we're just going to keep digging this hole, but we want to tell you about Jesus whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. They're kind of giving some conviction there. By him, this man is standing here before you healthy. You've seen this event. Let me tell you more about Jesus. This Jesus is the stone you rejected by you, which has become now the cornerstone. And guess what? If we haven't dug enough of a hole, there's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Peter's like, we're going, we're going to be bold here. And so like the prayer that he captures in chapter two, uh, chapter four, verse 38, 39, the prayer that he captures is really characteristic of Peter and the disciples all throughout the beginnings of this new church. The idea that we as believers are to be bold, we get this boldness from the power of the Holy Spirit. You too can be bold. How do I know that? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you if you've trusted in Christ. I love it. Some of us use the excuse, well, James, I'm just ordinary. I'm untrained. Look at verse 13. When they observed the, what is that word there? When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were what? Uneducated and ordinary men. They were amazed. And they recognized that those men had been with Jesus. We use that excuse but doggone when you share Jesus as an ordinary untrained person it'll be evident that you spend time with Jesus. I mean there's no greater compliment there's no greater compliment I would ever be able to receive than just for someone to be like you know what that guy I can tell he spent time with Jesus. 14 through 18, and we're done. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had had nothing to say. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves. What do we do? It's obvious something's been done through them. Clear to everyone in Jerusalem. Everyone saw this, and we can't deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name. If I could encourage you to do one thing today is to speak to anyone in the name of Jesus. Speak to anyone. They said, I can't do anything. Hey, what if we just discourage them from speaking to anyone in the name of Jesus? That's a good-ish idea. So they called for the guys, ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Hey, here's the idea. Don't speak to anyone in the name of Jesus. We bring you in. By the way, please don't speak to anyone in the name of Jesus. And then Peter and John answered them, hey, look, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you, Rather than the God, you you decide, I don't care. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then they're done talking. That's it. They're done. They were being witnesses in their Jerusalem. They were being witnesses in their town. I'm going to tell you, you've heard the gospel. If you've been around C112 for a little bit, you've heard the gospel. You know what Jesus Christ has done for you. You know what he continues to do. You've seen and heard Jesus at work in your life. You've seen him work in your journey. So your role and my role is to share Jesus with anyone. Speak to anyone in the name of Jesus. Bit of logic and we close. We, we, we tell other people about the things that matter to us a lot, don't we? Like that's what we share on social media. That's what we share with our friends. That's what we share with our family members. Like we share what's important to us, right? We do, we share what's important to us. Let's show people how much Jesus matters to you. It may just be the message that they need to hear today. Jesus, we thank you for today. God, I'm grateful. I'm God, I'm grateful, beyond grateful that because you sent your son Jesus Christ to us, And because Jesus, you lived a perfect life, tempted and tried in every way that we are, and you went to a cross and took our punishment due for us, and you satisfied the wrath of God there on the cross, and you gave your life willingly, and then you rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit that can live in us when we trust you, Jesus. Because of that, Jesus, we can be made right with you. We can be made right with God through your sacrifice, Jesus. May we share that boldly with other people. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.